one. We have a brand new Rumble channel. Called? That, uh, well, our channel is called Supernatural Junkies, of course. And that's where you can find all sorts of videos with links in there. You'll get to see Kevin ranting, you know, the way that he do. That's right. The Supernatural Junkies are now on Rumble.com. All you have to do is search for channels instead of videos, and you'll be able to subscribe and listen to all the stuff we're putting together to get the word out about what's happening around the world. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm super. She is super, and I am natural today. And oh. I will be the Dr. Junkie. You are definitely well, you're, a junkie. You're going to have to be a junkie ninja. Donkey Ninja. Dr. Junkie Ninja. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And we are the Supernatural, Supernatural Junkies. Junkies. Coming at you. Hey guys, we are exactly jumping in where we left off last week. So if it doesn't make sense to you, that's why, because we're picking up right where we left off. If you haven't heard part one with Nurse Whistleblower Gale, go back and listen to last week's episode and then come right to this one. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. Because your population, the this it was skewed because of the age difference, yep. right? And that too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. So you couldn't have been the only one in your community that noticed it, though. Right. And I wasn't. It's just, again, back to that fear factor. You know, that group I started, everyone was so afraid. They yep. were just too afraid to um, say anything. And I think that they still are. We just saw that. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. That. Um, Twitter, uh, there's a doctor that just posted herself in a mask with a wig on. Oh, I saw. Talking about what's going on in the hospitals and yeah. claiming fraud. And she said, she specifically said, if I were to do this without a mask on, I would lose my job, my status, and the entire establishment would assassinate my character. And I really appreciated that she got up there and did that because yeah. that's the truth. That's a shame. Yeah. So, well, you know, one of the things I covered in my book, and I think Dr. Kaufman was the first people that brought this up with the CDC guidance change right before this started, allowed them to diagnose people based on suspicion. That's ridiculous, right? Second thing is it allowed them to, you know, disregard the comorbidities or the underlying conditions. It doesn't matter. He was in a car accident, right? That's right. still, we can put COVID as line one cause of death and then give the financials. But the most underestimated part of all of this is that they limited autopsies. These people were dying of something and no coroner was going to what? Autopsy them to see whether they really died of COVID, right? And so then you go, wait a minute, if they were murdering people, this was a murder investigation. If there's no autopsy, the murderer is going to get away. And this was also important with respect to the vaccine. The people that actually blew the whistle first, from my perspective, wasn't just the Veyers. The Veyers was really good, too. But it was the coroners that are saying, what in the world is going on with these veins? We got four feet long rubber bands coming out of people's arteries. This is not normal. And you can see they were actually the ones that broke this because they're actually touching and working with these bodies. So you can start to see, you know, this... This, this whole thing was engineered right from the get-go to change the way we count deaths, right? Add the financial incentives, right? And then take away any ability to question or investigate what did this person really die of? And assassinate the character of the people who would speak up. That's right. So that's happened to the coroners, the practitioners, the scientists. There are thousands of us 
and we have all been removed. Yes. Well, and people don't understand, you know, for me, it's pretty straightforward. I'm very lucky that I'm in Florida, but again, there was no way I was going to take this and I'd be happy to retire as a result because that's just the situation. But that's what would have happened to me in multiple other states. You know, they would have required me to do something. And you think about this, that the Supreme Court in one day literally ruled that companies, right, and then their employees, you can't mandate this thing. But then they turned around and said that the people that help to make our health care decisions, right, the ones who advise us, the ones who are actually capable of writing a script for hey go get this vaccine go get this treatment go get this test get this blood work we're the ones that are incapable of making our own decisions how can the supreme court which has no ability to write a script for any kind of medical procedure write a script for every doctor nurse in america you start to see here this is the time where doctors and nurses must stand up because we have been deplatformed. We have people that don't know anything about anything that are prescribing things for us. Right. They're practicing medicine without a license. That's really it. There's three other really important things that I people need to understand. So here's here is um, a couple of the things that happened in the hospital that uh, that that practitioners are seeing and they're not speaking up about and people need to understand the implications of this. So one of the most um, profound things that I personally noticed um, when I was back at the hospital was the, the increase in code blues. And I'll explain that to people listening because a lot of people don't know what a code blue is. A code blue at the hospital, it's it's um, it's a um, intercom um, um announcement that somebody in the hospital has stopped breathing it's an emergency and the reason they put it in the overhead um, calm in throughout the hospital is to call to that patient's room the experts that need to be there to start the code which is you know do the shocking administer the medication to try to restart the heart so i've been in the hospital for 10 years before the rollout of those injections I would estimate that I had uh, one code blue every shift or maybe one every two shifts. They weren't too frequent. And they would just call you to the patient's room and that was great. So after the rollout of those injections, we, I personally would hear on the overhead between eight and 12 code blues per shift. And guess where they were calling us down to? Lower level injection clinic. So there was no doubt that, so, and then I, and then, so then I ended up through the, um, um, I'm going to play devil. What's low level injection unit? So the lower level of the hospital is where we had our, um, COVID vaccination clinic. They set up a, um, a facility down there for people. So immediately after getting the shot, Mm -hmm. which folks. So they go into anaphylaxis. Wow. So I hate to interrupt because I know you have other points to make. But I just want to point out that could this be why the only vaccine, so-called vaccine, that has ever needed you to stay in the clinic for a certain amount of time before? Has that ever happened? I mean, the answer is no. But I have heard many people say that after receiving this vaccine, they literally have to be monitored for at least an hour after you have to stay there. Like that, why? Well, maybe this is why. 
Right. Yeah, you it think? is. Yeah. So, and, and then I actually. Close to, the, close to the scene of the crime. I mean, that's yeah. insane. I knew two coworkers who uh, had to be transferred to the ER. And I'm sure there were many more. Those were just the ones. I mean, and that's something that people need to understand. Like the coworkers were too, my coworkers were too afraid to say that they had had a reaction to the injection. <gasps> They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't admit that there was. And when there were, I know multiple people that uh, gave up their positions. They had to either uh, retire or go on disability because they could no longer function in the workplace. And they wouldn't, wow. they wouldn't admit that it was from this the is injections. Like mob level coercion, That's because right? If they went yeah. against the establishment, now all of a sudden your career is on the line. Yeah. Yeah. You can see this is really was a mafia. Wow, but they're thing. having to choose right between yeah. their public reputation and, and career. Right. Or taking this, you know, vaccine that could possibly kill you. Well, this is where Obamacare, again, what did they threaten? They threatened governmental takeover of what? The hospitals. And in so doing, they they tugged and pulled on us. And what really happened was the complete big business takeover of the hospitals. And this is how they pulled it really off. It's really a complete takeover you know, uh, really like just going even back to like Advent Health, just look at their requirements, what these guys are. This is some kind of artificial intelligence, somebody else with no brain making up these treatment plans. Okay, yeah. so go on. Sorry about that. So then there then there was, um, so then I got so curious. I'm like, wow, what is going on down in these vaccination clinics? I ended up getting in contact with a nurse who uh, ran the vaccination clinic. Uh, for my for uh, one of the Kaisers in California, and she reported to me that her manager told her that if she reported a single adverse event to the VARES system or to the doctors from the injections that she was witnessing, they would fire her. Wow! So. People are wondering why this information isn't <laughs> why getting is documented in VAERS. Why is it not in the VAERS? So here's something else people need to understand. I worked for Kaiser Permanente. They lead the Kaiser Family Foundation of Research. This is the research arm for the CDC. You guys should check that out because this is how they manipulated the data. They threatened the staff and told us that we weren't allowed to, to report adverse events. And here's the other thing they did. So when, um, when people started getting injected... And the, um, and the charts started repopulating. We, we used a system called Epic. And uh, the charts came through. And on the new charts for patients who were diagnosed with COVID, we had two options. We could either document that the patient was unvaccinated or we could document that their vaccination status was unknown. So we provided an entire platform of evidence to Kaiser Family Foundation that would not allow us to put that patients were fully vaccinated and still had COVID. So do you guys remember yeah. when the when the media was saying all of the hospitalized patients have co- who have COVID are unvaccinated? Right, that's- this is how they did it. Wow. And it wasn't just my facility that did that. I talked to nurses at multiple other facilities that reported their, their charting systems had been set up the same way. And although we could still go into the notes and type in that the patient was fully vaccinated, Nobody's that's not how that. they tally. Well, they did. They did, but that's not how they tally Right. The, the that's not how they gather data. They gather it based on the chart the charting, you know, wow. menus. Right. Where you document that is 
egregious. It's disgusting. It's infuriating. It's insulting. It's sick. Wow, it's really disgusting. S- that's demonic. That's, it, that, that's a yeah. whole other level of like, I, but, I'm shocked right now. But just remember. We that, knew they were fudging the numbers, but to find out that they were intentionally not even leaving that as a slot and then going, do you guys remember the news, how they pushed it down your throat? Yep. That everybody that's sick in the hospital, these are all unvaccinated. So that was never true. I worked the COVID floors. Ugh. And I will tell you, we knew it, it that wasn't. is not true. It was never a hospital. The only time it was a hospital full of unvaccinated is when there was no vaccine. Wow. So people were coming in diagnosed, diagnosed <sighs> with COVID who were fully Jeez. vaccinated right from the get-go. So we knew. Well, we just didn't know how they were doing it with the numbers. Go ahead, Cap. Sorry. Well, the other thing we covered is that, unfortunately, <laughs> until 14 days after the second shot. Right. So if you died right there, they gave it to you died. You still died of COVID. Right. Not right? of the vaccine. Right. right. Not of the vaccine. You're not going to have a quarter reaction. And it wouldn't be, if they died, it wasn't because of the vaccine, because they weren't technically vaccinated until 14 days after their second shot. And this is another way that they were able to cook the books and control the narrative. It's just comical that they could even get away with this. Oh, it is. But, you know, (laughs) at least the NHS in in Britain had um, somebody doing their oversight because when they went through and looked up the numbers, when they, they had someone go back through it, and this was reported in the BMG, I believe, and the NHS, the BMJ and the NHS, that when they looked at all these thousands of patients that supposedly in this this very short period of time that all died of COVID, they actually looked at which, how many of those actually died from COVID that went in. And that literally on this list of thousands, it, I think it was something like two or three. Yeah. It was insane. So another plug, plug, plug. We did an episode called the what? Cooking the COVID books. Cooking the COVID books. And boy, have they been doing it. But these are some new things that we even haven't heard before. So that's, uh, you know, it's stunning to see what you're saying here. Yeah. So another thing that happened too, um, I was uh, approached by another doctor, whistleblower, uh, and he, he, she rather, she won't come forward uh, for the same reasons that none of my other coworkers will because they're afraid of losing their income. And uh, she had been an oncologist for 25 years, and she was so profoundly overwhelmed by the increase in cancer diagnoses that uh, aligned with the onset of injections. And so she went back through the last, she said the last two years before COVID, and she um, she found a 320% increase in, co- in, um, in uh, cancer diagnoses across the spectrum. She didn't say anything specific wow. about any particular type of cancer. But again, you know, that's just another thing that I've heard from, you know, multiple doctor whistleblowers on the media, but as well as I looked into the eyes of a practitioner and you know, she said it to me herself. She saw it, yeah. And that's, it's relatively soon after getting the vaccination because you're talking about like it just came out in March and you're saying like July, August. Yeah, so that was, let's see, that happened in September of 2021. So that was within six months of the rollout of the injections. She had seen a 320% increase in in cancer diagnoses. So are there other things that you've heard about where, you know, that you're privy to that, you know, we see more of something happening in the hospital? Because we've certainly heard a lot about, you know, some of the things going on with fertility and miscarriage and things like that. Well, absolutely. So, I mean, if we're going to get onto the subject of, of, of menstrual and fertility stuff, 
people should probably hear that this is happening. So I myself personally had an episode of um, cast shedding, uterine cast shedding. Mm. So um, wait, what Explain is that? What that, is. that is when uh, you shed the entire uterine thickness of your uh, um, of your. Normally, on a normal cycle, you shed a couple layers of your uterus at every is cycle. The clotty? Uh, so yeah, so I released a um, a clot that was almost the size of a tennis ball, <gasps> and I'm unvaccinated. So that happened. So remember when I said I went back to the hospital in June, and I spent those three weeks working day and night because the hospital was so busy. So I had my cycle while I was there and had one of those episodes, and. You know, I was just talking to some some experts about this, and they said, "Well, maybe it was related to stress." And and I just have to go back. So that's the only argument that people can make. And I got to say, no. Listen, I was so stressed out when I was taking my exams. I mean, I've been working in the hospital for ten years. It doesn't stress me out. So like I'm an expert. Was it the know? other people shedding around you? Yeah. So protein? so I am one more of those cases yeah. of how the sh- that the shedding is real. It's yeah. happening. It is impacting um, cycles of people who are unjabbed. Mm. And um, I wish I would have taken a picture of it because I honestly thought that I was developing endometriosis. I was, I I couldn't leave my house because of how much I was hemorrhaging and it was extremely painful. So this was um, another intense thing associated with this. And then one of the other things that, um, so not only... Was the hospital refusing to document the um, the patients who were uh, vaccinated and then diagnosed with COVID? I had a staff member call me in um, in April, and she she said, "Gail, I cannot believe what I just witnessed." And so she was um, getting off of her shift at the end of the day, and she had a colleague coming in to take her place. She was about to start report, and her colleague said, um, "I." I'm not feeling too well. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just, I feel like a little cold is coming on. And so my colleague said, well, let's go downstairs because she was, um, she knew where the, the testing clinic was for the staff to come in and get tested. So they went down to, and uh, she got tested and she came back COVID positive the staff member coming on. So um, so they were like, okay, well, let's just report this off to the administrators so that they can document it. So they went to the administrator and the administrator's like, tried to look her up by her identification number because each one of us staff members has an identification number. And it, uh, it showed up that they were like, oh, well, you're not in the system. So, you know, we just can't document that you have COVID because you're not in the system. So my my colleague was like, this is absolutely bizarre. Why is she not in the system? So they ended up climbing the ladder and talking to the house supervisor at the um, of the hospital on that shift. And she reported to my colleague that, in fact, they were not monitoring the COVID positive incidences of staff members who were fully vaccinated. Wait, what? So the hospital was refusing to tally staff members who were diagnosed with COVID if they were fully vaccinated. They were only keeping track of the staff members who were unvaccinated who got diagnosed with COVID. So they they did the same thing with the patients in the charts as they're doing with the staff members. 
Well, that's exactly what happened. Wow. We did find that out quite quickly that the only people that were being tested were the unvaccinated. They weren't testing them. That's why they said, oh, there was such a lag in admitting. There was a long lag. When this first came out, they wouldn't even admit that it wasn't working, that people were catching it. And that's because they weren't testing you. If you did already had the vaccine, they wouldn't even test you for right. COVID. But then when they'd test you, they wouldn't even document it anyways. So even the ones who got tested, they weren't being tallied. When you think about the ethical, if COVID is so bad, we're going to release this person. You know, this is what happened for me. This happened, this goes back to the PCR test too, because I'm going to say in May or June, okay, and specifically in remember in June that I had multiple nurses telling me, by the way, my, my number one patients from one profession tend to be nurses. <laughs> I don't know why, what does that say here in, in Tampa, but... Long story short, they were telling me, well, you know, they tested positive for COVID off and on for like six weeks, and then they were negative and then back to positive. And they said they never had any symptoms any of those times. And so you yeah. could see early on that something was wrong with the test. And later, of course, we, we found out more and we've gone into that in other shows, but you can see this is another thing where they're not even looking at the test. They're hiding the facts yes. and information from us to create um, a false narrative. That's right. And if you think about ethically, we're releasing this person. Now this person doesn't even have symptoms and they're testing positive. Yeah. But we're going to let you go right back to working on people. Yep. And that's what they did. Yep. And that's what happened. We found at first it was 10 days or it was week, two weeks, and then it was 10 days and it was only five days you have to. So you could see these, they were letting the nurses come back very quickly. But again, they realized, then they switched to like these nurses. They said, they test you one time, you're off for 14 days or 10 days, and they won't test you again, even if you're symptomatic. And you start to see they were messing with this whole thing all along. They knew that the PCR test didn't do anything. Yeah, it's really too bad, you know? I mean, that's really the situation here is that we just had so much fraud going on with the data and the information being provided to people that of course they were they were misled. Of right. course, of course, you know, they believed, you know, what the media was saying because, you know, they that's what was being given. Right. And people like me were being silenced and censored. Wow. Or we were just told that if, you know, we, we heard many a time, though, if you were unvaccinated and went in the way that you were treated as a patient, did you see that at all? Yeah. I mean, I think that that happened a lot more so in other states than it did in California. It did happen in California. I actually have a family who family member who was medically murdered because mm. they were unvaccinated. Yeah. yeah. And the hospital refused to give good care because mm -hmm. of that. Um, and unfortunately, they wouldn't listen to me <laughs> mm. when I told them how to, you know, try and advocate for themselves. But um, well, this is another thing that we noticed right away is that because of everybody freaking out about COVID, you know, if, once you had the COVID diagnosis, it didn't matter whether you had a heart attack or some other, you know, something that needed immediate attention. You were put in the COVID wing and you were not having access to what you needed to actually get over your heart attack or stroke right. or whatever it was. And so we've seen multiple testimonies of people that were dying. I mean, it's literally like saying, I know you're drowning right now, but because you have COVID, I can't get close to you. It's so sad the way that, you know, the people in government... Um, would say things like, well, if you chose not to get your vaccine, then 
you know, uh, I guess, I guess you, you deserve don't deserve the care. Right. Yeah. Or, or people, I mean, literally there's politicians, there's teachers, there's doctors saying, they're on video saying it. Yep. That um, if you're not vaccinated and you come to see me, I don't care if you die. And it I hope you die. It, I'll be happy mm-hmm. if you die. Yeah. Can you imagine if it were the other way around? Right. It absolutely <laughs> trickled down to the staff at the hospitals. That's wild. That is wild because that just goes against the Hippocratic Oath. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, how, how can you consider yourself a medical professional if you hold that standpoint that one group is lesser than... It's like you're behaving like yeah. a Nazi. Yeah. Well, that, the cooking of the crazy. books you know, is certainly part of why... These people are not upholding the Hippocratic Oath. But you also realize that, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance. Some people just don't notice this stuff. They they just <laughs> don't see, you know, why this is, you know, somehow important, you know. I think the how really comes back to the courage aspect. It's It's really, I you know, I learned how to be courageous because of my background. Mm. And it's a skill. I mean, I think you're born with it, but I think it's also a skill. It's something you have to practice. And having such a, you know, crazy diverse background, it really gave me that skill. And I'm extremely grateful for it, honestly. Uh, I think that this is one of the really, really important things for, you know, for people to understand, too, is that, you know, I don't think that these practitioners really understand what they've given up. I don't think they really understand what happens to their you know, to their spirit when they choose to go against their morals and when they choose to do something that doesn't align with what they know is right. They're compromising their integrity. And I don't think that they see how much it destroys their spirit. Mm. And that's something that I feel I've learned more than most other things through this experience is just how wonderful it feels to stand in my truth. Mm. I have empowered myself. Um, I have... I have freed myself from bondage. I have, you know, I have gone along with my calling and my path and I've done what I know in my heart is right. And no one can take that away from me. And and when when you do those kinds of things, it just I feel like I've shed a like a snakeskin of dead you know, of dead fibers that I don't need anymore. And like I've blossomed into a truer version of, you know, the the sanctity of humanity. It's, That's right. It's really, you know, I I feel like I'm a truer specimen of human of humankind because yes. of those choices. And that's what I feel really sad about when I look at these other practitioners is that, you know, I see how much they have diminished their potential and their capacity and their souls. And it's really, it's tragic. So that whole following your truth and this light, this has been the impetus for what you're doing now, right? Why don't you tell us about it? Absolutely. So that's really exciting you that smile, too. guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so making those choices has ultimately led me into uh, being coming connected with other folks who are doing the same kinds of things. We're, you know, we're choosing to um, walk in the light, uh, find a path of, of healing and uh, and action. Because ultimately, you know, we have to take action. Yeah. We can't just stand by and do nothing. Right. So that's what I'm doing now is taking action. Uh, I've been connected with Dr. Christiane Northrup and um, 
uh, Lynette Madison. Mm -hmm. She uh, also, she's the one who connected us. It it was interesting how it came together because Dr. Northrup is, you know, she's the the MD whistleblower and I'm the nurse whistleblower. So we have that nice little fit in where, you know, we can bring both sides of the medical field into this. And so we're, what we're really doing here is advocating for action. Um, she um, had a really beautiful um, saying that she said to me the other day. She said, inaction is easy. You know, it's easy to do nothing, but that is what feeds the devil. Mm-hmm. And when you take action and when you do something, you know, that, that when you're drawn to your path and you do something to support that, you're really feeding your soul. And so that's that's what we're working on. So um, she started a uh, trust, Dr. Northrup, and uh, so there's three of us on the trust. It's it's a private trust, and we're a 508C1A, a nonprofit organization. So it's it, this effort is for the good of the people. Uh, we are. Well, throughout my process over the last year, I've been through many legal adventures and discovered that our our judicial system is corrupt, uh, that these judges won't hear our cases, that they won't even look at the evidence. They just find an excuse to throw the cases out without without giving us uh, due course. So um, we have found a constitutional attorney well he's he's not var certified which in our opinion is what makes this even that much more special uh he has a national native american legal association certification and he um he knows how to navigate um international jurisdiction he uh, specializes in uh in uh, trusts and treaty law and um administrative action so we're doing an administrative action process Uh, we're gathering expert witness testimony so we've uh, the doctors dr northrup and a team of several others uh, they got together and formed this document it's called an affidavit Uh, we call it covid commonalities and it basically spells out all of the things that we know that have happened over the last two years that are fraud and scam Firstly, that COVID hasn't, the coronavirus hasn't been fully isolated in human cells. Uh, It goes into the PCR tests and how it is, they created a pandemic through using PCR tests without using a diagnosis of signs and symptoms. So that's something that people need to understand. You can't actually diagnose something, a viral infection, without both signs and symptoms and a diagnostic test or just signs and symptoms. So they were using a diagnostic test that wasn't even designed to diagnose you know an infection without signs and symptoms so that's part of this affidavit uh, and then uh, they go in we go into talking about um, how there were alternative therapies mm-hmm. that were not allowed to exist our doctors weren't allowed to prescribe like ivermectin hydroxychloroquine vitamin d was known as people what was it 90 percent of the hospital admissions had vitamin d deficiency they say that up to 30 percent of the numbers could have switched yeah just by vitamin d right and then the cdc came out and said oh we don't recommend vitamin d supplementation i could not (sighs) believe that (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to remember that medical doctors took hundreds of years to actually say that vitamins and minerals are helpful. The first one turns out to be the uh, 
of course, the prenatals because they were able to see that. But after mm-hmm. hundreds of years of saying no, they end up recommending it. You know, everybody every day of their life should take one. So that does have vitamin D. So why would they reverse their own ruling? <laughs> yeah, that was unbelievable. So then the then the affidavit goes into um, so let's see, alternative therapies were suppressed, and then it goes into the injections and how they were. Uh, they're not, in fact, vaccines, that they are therapeutic, that uh, that they are causing significant harm. So the purpose of this administrative action is to create a platform of undisputable expert witness testimony. And what that will in turn do, so our judge, our, our attorney is going to submit that through an action called a negative averiment. And what that does is it switches the verdict from innocent until proven guilty to guilty until proven innocent. So we're going to come in with so much expert testimony that they're going to have to disprove us and they're not going to be able to. But that's what we what that's what we need. So I am bringing it here to this to this uh, show a strong call to action to practitioners because we need your voices. It doesn't matter if you're practicing or retired. It doesn't matter uh, uh, what we're actually really seeking is is MDs, PhDs, nurses, um, anyone with a with a with a degree or a license in in science in like a, the medical sciences. Those are experts. They're experts right. in their field. And, and when worldwide, we get, right? Right, okay. worldwide. Absolutely, you don't have to be a U.S. citizen. And once we get that platform of evidence and it gets submitted to the courts, they'll have thirty days to dispute it. They won't be able to right. because with that level of evidence. There's nothing they're going to be able to do to stop us, um, and then our attorney's going to take that to um, to uh, the Supreme Court, I believe. He's going to take it. He told me the name. It's, this is I'm not so, the legal expert. <laughs> while, you, while you look that up, I so this you know the recent FOIA from um, Vera's data has to be extremely helpful, right? Because that just came out, didn't it? Well, I've I've read this document and it's incredible, you know. And so, uh, it it, there was but the various data itself because it was recently by FOIA Act was released. So, So from from my perspective, you know, reading this, you know, we're like, uh, it was a no brainer because this is what we've been covering now for almost two years, and uh, you know, it's really validating because again, you just you're sitting here thinking to yourself. You know, am I crazy? Was there some kind of alternative reality that everybody's living in? You know, when did the matrix, you know, get started? And, you know, you're just you're just struggling with it. But you see the kind of things that they put together, just document after document. Of course, that's what we also tried to do in the COVID beast. We can see that we make this case and uh, deplatform all these false narratives. But to have people come in and put together such a fine document it's really incredible so much you guys are really to be applauded because it's a it's an incredible document but that where, where can people find that so where so if doctors if you're hearing this and you want to get involved where do they need to go so we just got our website up and running again uh we had we had been working with dr david martin and um we had something go wrong with the tech team and we lost all of our evidence oh, oh, goodness. go figure 
somebody doesn't want us mm. doing what we're doing. Yeah, for real. So uh, we just started. We kind of branched off. Uh, we're, we're helping each other. We're supporting each other because they're doing incredible work. Mm. Uh, they're going to be pressing felony homicide charges. I can't wait oh. to continue to contribute Please. to what Dr. David Martin is doing, but they're doing some awesome stuff. His attorney, Stan Graham, is such an incredible guy. Um but we are doing the administrative action that's going to add evidence to their case. Okay. So uh, our website is called standfirmnow.org. Okay. And um, it's it everything is up there. You can see the events. You can email me. My email address is up there. Okay. Um, my I'll just go ahead and say it. My email address is gail.cl at proton.me anybody can reach out to me through email um, and we you know we need support and that's the thing about what I was saying that Dr. Northrop said you know inaction is just supporting the other side and we need action we need people who know what's going on that's to right. come together so and you know we always say on here and I know Alex has said this one but silence is an acquiesce Absolutely. See? And that's what we are all about here on our Supernatural Junkies. We have not remained silent. You know, we wish XYZ, you know, we wish all these things were different. But we have done what we could do to get this information out. You know, I like to remind people that we literally had 50,000 people downloading us every month when we were literally blocked and dropped by Anchor and then Lipson as well. So you start to see this is a, a, an issue of silence. But, you know, we can't control what they do. We can only control what we do. Right. And this is why this is a call to action. This is not just talking about what's happened, how bad it was. This isn't over. This is only the very beginning of what their plans really are for us. And we've really talked about that. Again, you go it's back to... It's a genocide, to, though. It I mean, really is. Yeah. You have to stand up because... That's what you're going to see when all of the numbers come out. This is a genocide against humankind. And um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't want to just sit by and say nothing as this happens. Right. No. And and what has caused me to do this is my children. That's yeah. right. I'm doing this for my children because I don't, I don't want them to see me do nothing. I'm setting an, an example for them. And, and it's back to that courage. People are like, well, how did you do this? How do you? And it's like... You know, I need to teach my children how to have that courage because this world that we're coming into, it's going to require extraordinary amounts from courage of courage from all of us. Right. And, you know, so I'm that's what I'm working on now is teaching my children. This is how you show courage and they have to have it because yeah. like you said, you know, the future, it, this is the beginning of this battle. It really is. And that's why this is not over, folks. And the, the point is, is that the Bible's clear that there is always going to be a cause. They're going to create chaos in order to get their control. This was the first one. This was their first attempt at control. We know this is a genocide, but ultimately this had to lead to your body. Your body has been Satan's target for 2,000 years. And technology is allowing them to change something about us, to change the very spirit. And we've gone into that, but you can see that this is why this narrative is important. The most important thing we have ever been given from God is our own body. And this is why we cannot allow access to that body. And this is why we're all on the same page, that this is a fight that's worth fighting. And ultimately, 
with the technology that they have, they literally can form the digital prison. They are advertising it. Noah Harari has said he is going to hack you. He's going to hack you with a vaccine. And he is going to what? Take away your soul. These are the things they're telling us to our face. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to stand here and do nothing? Not us. You know, this. it just, it just occurred to me. Um, you know the demon Pan? Yep. That's where panic comes from, mm. right? This is mm. a pandemic. A pandemic. Pandemic. Pan. So that's satanic in nature, but you have to realize that when when Pan would get woken up from his nap, he would scream so loud. That's what it was, the shriek would cause people to sort of like get disoriented and not be able to concentrate because he caused a panic. Wow. Mm. And it, what are we talking about? Right, a pandemic. And but is this panic, this fear that's driving the majority of people to inaction? Yeah. It's so like you said, turning on that TV and just being force fed this fear. But that's it just kind of struck me um that it's a pandemic. Uh we're we're motivating people and with pan fear. started it. I didn't even it know is. that until today. Right? I know. Yeah, and I would say too to that, gosh, really this is the crux of what we're up against is people who are feeding into that pandemic and that fear. Yeah. What they're missing is the exposure to people who are not feeding into it. They're not screaming. And they're coming out on the other talking. side yeah. as a more incredible um, expression of humanity. And that's what I want to draw people to really understand is that, you know, being afraid, it it's not going to, you know, it's not going to serve you. And letting go of that fear and just really embracing life and living every day, you know, when you're being true to yourself it, it's going to free you in ways that you don't understand. Right. And that's really what I want practitioners to understand is you can, you can free yourself. You can change your, your mind about, you know, the way that you've allowed people to trample on your rights. And, and it's really, you know, it just, you just take it one step at a time, just do little things. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon you'll find yourself in this situation where, <laughs> you know, we're, we're every, in Alaska, we're in Africa, every, we're, we're doing stuff for the humankind. Cause that's really, you know, Kevin and I have talked about this recently is that the way that you show people the love of Christ is by showing love. Right. And that's what this, that's all, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Is having enough love for others, not just yourself, but for all of humanity. That's really, that's well, just, beautiful. I, I found that very motivating. Just remember that the Bible says that God is love. That's and right. That where the love is, there is a spirit of liberty. And we also remember that where love is, that perfect love casts out fear. And that is what our Satan is going to do to us. And that is what his plan yeah, for it is. Yeah, push aside the panic. Yeah. yeah. And as absolutely. we're getting close to closing here, this is a shout out to Dr. Dennis because Ooh, we Dr. didn't Dennis, have we a you. nice verse for today. This is Romans um, 1, 25 through 27. It says, They traded God's truth for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creation instead of the Creator, who is blessed forever. That's why God abandoned them to degrading lusts. In other words, he demands us to ourselves, right? And that's where this abandonment, you're talking about, it's so freeing to be able to stand up for the fact that God created you. And he knew what he was doing. He had a Absolutely. special thing in mind 
when he created you. And you have yep. been given something special. We all have. You have something to stand for. You have something to live for. And you have something to believe in. And these are the days that God has really called us to. Absolutely. Yeah. So go we're going to make sure to have uh, the links to her website, um, as well as her email information. Uh, we'll have that in the show notes. So please check that out. So, Gail, we're so glad you were able to yes, drop by. You we so know much. you're zooming by maybe Florida, you know, different times. <laughs> her gypsy <And> lifestyle. <laughs> so this was a good day for her. And unfortunately, Dr. Dennis couldn't be here today. But uh, we still got a good verse in for him. So <laughs> so grateful. Thank you for sharing your heart and your knowledge with us. Great. Thank you for having me. God bless you. And we're going to be certainly supporting you. And so many yeah. people list that link one more time. How can they get in touch with you? How can they sign this document? that can actually help to make this part of public record and a testimony. Right. So that's at www.standfirmnow.org. S-T-A-N-D-F-I-R-M.org. God bless you guys. Hey, this is Dr. Kevin again, talking to you about Pro Tandem, and it's why we've changed many things in our office to revolve around an anti-aging program. Not only did it help me boost my thyroid, which is really kind of an untreatable thing when it comes to nutritional, but we also saw my testosterone go up. We also saw my cholesterol go down, and of course, my blood pressure go down. We've seen remarkable things happen in multiple people. This is because there is more science behind Pro Tandem than almost any product on the market. The biggest thing oxidative stress just like the silver in your house tarnishes so does every single cell in your body but when you take pro tandem you can reverse that process not by taking more antioxidants but by making more antioxidants and of course we're talking about the super antioxidant glutathione not only does glutathione function as an antioxidant, but it also functions as an anti-inflammatory. And this can help with a lot of autoimmune disorders. So go to the supernaturaljunkies.lifevantage.com, the Tri-Synergizer under anti-aging products.